Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. All right, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, where I speak to bands about their old jobs and all the stories they've got from them. Charlie, who sings in Chubby and the Gang, he's an electrician on film shoots. He was a London minicab driver. He's got some stories, some pretty hairy stories from doing that. And he tells us about growing up in London, going to shows put on by Ruction Records. Shout out Grosvenor, shout out Bird's Nest here in Deptford. And he talks about how the new album was finished yesterday. They got new mixes from Dan Kerry back yesterday. He says it's better than Speed Kills. Speed Kills is out now. You're listening to Union Jews behind this track. Go ahead and order it from Partisan Records. It came out originally in January on Static Shock and then it recently got re-put out on Partisan Records. So go ahead and buy that if you haven't already. Cheers for listening. If you like this podcast, if you like this episode, go ahead and share it. Get it in your WhatsApp. All the listens help get more guests. So cheers if you're doing that. East London Signature Brew have been brewing music-inspired beers since 2011. They've made beers with Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, just to name a few. If you go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, you can order direct to your door. With the voucher code 101 podcast, you can get 10% off. And yeah, 
Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't. Get us up the ratings. Do your bit to make me look good. Now here's Charlie from Chubby and the Gang. Go well. Cheers. Love that. Well, thanks so much for being for being up for this chat. No, of course, man. No, of course. Yeah, when Scott told me he was like, oh, it's about work. I was like, finally, something interesting to talk about. <laughs> how how are you dealing with like? I mean, the last few months, but I mean, it started in February with Rolling Stone and Pace Magazine and all those being interested. Um, what? How am I dealing with like how they're taking the album? Well, how are you dealing with all the interviews and yeah. all that stuff that comes with it? Fine, really. Like, I mean, pretty. I'm pretty. I don't really like. It's not really phased me that much. But like, I just. I'm. Everything's been like so positive. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. it's very difficult to like take that badly. Like what people are saying. Um, For real. You know, like it's like if everyone was like, "This is top ten shittest albums of the last hundred years," I'd be like, "Oh, okay, this is this is getting much." But <laughs> but it's like it's all been it's all been good, man. So it's like. I can't really complain. Like I've been, I've been working all the way through it. So like I'm still at work. I, I never broke for lockdown or anything. So is that nice that you're you're making some cash whilst the band's you know reaching new people and you don't have to go on tour necessarily and compromise the job stuff? Yeah, it's it's a, it's, it's like really weird because it's like, um, it's like we we did this record and then kind of like. COVID happened like almost like immediately afterwards. We signed to Partizan like almost immediately afterwards. And it's like, it's almost like everything is different, but nothing is different. You know, like, like I'm still at work all the time that my brain hasn't really processed like, um, what the, like how people are receiving it because like, I'm not really online. Don't really like read anything like, I don't know. It's just like I'm still at work. People, people at work are like, "What's crazy?" I saw you in uh, in the Guardian. I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess that is kind of mad." Yeah, but we're still at work. We're just doing my normal life. So you know, thing is, I think that's smart because like people wouldn't want to admit it. At least I don't think people that I know would want to admit it. But if your band was was getting, you know, people were writing about your band and people were loving the record, and if you were online then you'd have to do pretty well to not let that affect the way you see yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. I think, I think, you know, I'm at an age, I think I'm quite lucky because I'm, I'm, I've done music for quite a long time in like an underground capacity. Mm. And, um, you know, some of those bands were like really liked and some of them didn't really make it and whatever. So I think like, I think like I'm at an age where it's like, it's quite easy for me to like see through a lot of, shit that people write up you know it's like every I, I don't really believe in a lot of the kind of like hyperbole that comes around with writing up stuff about music you know this is the fucking best thing this since sliced bread blah, blah, blah. you know all this kind of stuff is like it's all good but you know i'm just kind of like i just kind of take how it is really do you know what i mean it's like do you know what i'm trying to say yeah definitely definitely because i think like i mean i just didn't want to interrupt you there because i i love i love hearing someone else say it because you know, what I'm doing here, right? Probably quote unquote rock journalism or podcast form, but rock journalism is fucking shit all the time because it's all about, you know, new new band releases new album, comes back from, you know, the pits of their worst place. And also this new album is the lightest and the heaviest they are. Do you know what I mean? It's all the same. This album will literally kill you. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, like, or something. And you're like, what? 
Well, I think it's cool because I, I, I think Speed Kills, is like, I think people wanted something that sounded like Sham 69 and Squeeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There aren't a lot of bands that sound like it at the moment. That's the thing. I think, like, you know, um, we, like Jonas said, like, to me the other day, he was like, who'd have thought that the, the way we'd have to take rock music forward is to go backwards? And it's like, I think, I was like, man, that is very poetic like but he, like, I, I kind of agree yeah. with him like you know it's like a lot of guitar music these days like is is like just so abstract as points that you're i'm just listening to it like this is very loosely even really guitar music and that you know what i mean other forms of music are popping like you know drill is like massive like and so like context contextually like now and you can really feel the like necessity of it you know people making music like that's really like necessary i think and guitar music like a lot of it now is just kind of like lost that that kind of like it's all like either like slightly like cosplay you know like oh we mm. we all look like we're literally from 1971 or it's a bit like it's a bit like what's the what's the, like just kind of a bit abstract, a bit arty. And I think like now is like a time to like really be thinking about the presence, you know, like the present yeah. time, like there's like big struggle everywhere. We just seen like the biggest civil rights movement ever. You know what I mean? It's so- funny to think of it like that, isn't it? Because it's quite hard to feel that in the presence. All, everything like that is always in hindsight, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, like I was at the I was at the BLM protest and stuff. I got kettled and all that. And I like, I definitely was like, you know, this is, I'm here to support. This isn't my... Yeah protest but i'm definitely here to support but i definitely felt like this is a change in time you know what i mean this is i think it's important to turn up to those things in person because it feels more real everything's online now and you can it's so easy to you know just not look at it whereas if you go in in person you're like oh this is like more real than anything yeah yeah it's very easy for like the internet to like downplay or upplay certain things like i'm thinking with music you know but politically like it's very easy for it to be like you know you can have you can create a hundred accounts on the online and then all of a sudden you've got a hundred voices or whatever. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah, why I try, totally. that's why I try to stay off it. Cause it's like, you know, if someone wants to come and talk to me or if I want to go and see something, it's always best to try and get it as much in person, like at the BLM thing, you know, you really felt like this, all right, times are changing. This is, this is, this is, you know, people are like, yeah, never, you know what I mean? I think one thing that all of us struggle with, I definitely do is I'll be scrolling through Twitter and there'll be something really vital, important, you know, like saving someone's life or, or like some kind of fatality or some kind of like huge injustice that's bigger than any of us. Yeah. And then you'll look at it for a second, five seconds, and then and you'll scroll fun. through and then see who's on, you know, I'm a celeb. Yeah. Yeah. yeah literally like, like you can, it's just, it's the internet is just such a fucking, it, it's like, it's such a double edged sword because on one hand it like gives voice to everyone positive mm. on the other hand it gives voice to everyone negative do you know what, do you know what i mean yeah, it's like definitely it's definitely like, all this like kind of like weird q anon shit and stuff it's like that could only have existed in the internet like there's no other way that could have existed like the, imagine trying to fucking talk to someone in real life and be like look man you know what i mean it's like God, come totally on. like totally and i wonder if that like plays into i mean i think it does play into what you said earlier about you know bands living in the present now like <clears throat> if you're like if you're wanting to make some like cocteau twin sounding thing yeah. then there, there is an online community for it 
yeah 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 and that can be really like used in a real like or like harnessed rather in like a really positive way yeah totally man totally um but this podcast is all about yeah working stories and you know bands like that you know i i did it myself i I, like you know you've been in bands for years i always found it pretty funny how stubborn me and my mates were about being in bands and just putting it over work putting it over everything else in life Mm. and and i think there's i think there are so many stories to come out of that yeah totally man did you start playing in bands pretty young then yeah i was like well, I started, I started like doing music when I was like young and like, so I think I was like into the idea of punk, like when I was young, my parents were punks and stuff and they kind of like got me into like listening to Ramones and like kind of like, you know, the kind of like gateway punk, you know what I mean? Like, and then all of a sudden, like when I was like 15, 16, I kind of just like wandered into like a, like punk and hardcore shows and just kind of like, that's, that was it then. But like, where were you going? I read about. I read you were going to like Twelve Bar. Was it always Central? Um, Twelve Bar was a big one. Like that. So the the Russian scene. They used to do. Um, this guy called Matty Bar used to do gigs, and he used to put on like everything. I mean, like in a really like cool way. Um, so there would be like, I don't know, like a like Knuckle Dust would play with um a type of like uh, like power violence band or something, and it was like very eclectic, which is I, I always thought was like a really good way to get like young like kids into it not that i think that you should try and get people into it there's a weird thing with punk where you're like you you're like kind of like the emphasis is to get people into it which i don't agree with because i think people should make up their own mind but i like those ruction shows are incredible always had great bands um there was a lot of squat quite scary though weren't they yeah i mean i mean that was it i saw bulldoze when i was like 15 and that was pretty wild they were like people were like being taken out on stretches type of thing Um, Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. And, but and then there was, like, the kind of punker side in London, which was, like, all the squats. There was a squat called Rampart. There was a squat yeah. called, um, like, the first, one of the first gigs I played was in this abandoned fire station in Hoxton. Um, not Hoxton, sorry, Shoreditch. Um, and it was, like, so close to Liverpool Street Station. It's crazy. Like, I think back on it, I'm like, this is insane. But, um, yeah, like, most of those squat stuff, most of that squat stuff's kind of kind of gone, really. Like, um, I was going to say, there's a lot of organisation that goes into that sort of stuff, especially when you think of... Because I had that band, Hey Colossus, on, and um, they, they played a squat that... Remember, before last hours, there was Rancid News, and they put on a show in, like, Tottenham Court Road, in, like, an abandoned house. Well, like, my friend had a squat in um, near uh, British Museum. I, that might be it, you know? Yeah, and, it, and like... and. Could you imagine now? Like, it's insane. Yeah, right? I know. I know. I live on Deptford High Street and there was an old bank at the end of the road here that uh, we put on some shows and it was... Oh, yeah. There's, there, there was a God, there was a bunch of stuff down there. There's that... Crow, uh, is it Crow's Nest still down there? Bird's Nest. Bird's Nest, that's the one. That's yeah, one. That's, our, that's our place. I first played there when I was 15. That was the first place I saw, like, a dog on a string. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what that means. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Punk dog, like. <laughs> yeah, for real. And now, like, MOT's down here. I saw Power Plant at MOT, and that's a cool place. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that place still requires money to put on shows, though. I think that's still a place that you rent out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, man, like, nothing is nothing is free in this world, unfortunately. And, like, you know, these, pl- these places need, like, maintenance and stuff. We we used to play this one in Holloway, um, which we called Holloway Squat, but I don't know if it was, like, an, a, 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 like I don't know what the name of it was. Was that the Pettybone had- one? Uh, around the uh, around near the Arsenal Stadium, yeah, right, yeah. Um, yeah I think Pettybone lived there or played there. Oh yeah, I think he did live there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I mean, I'm talking like when I was 
16, 17 or something. Uh, and what year is that? 2006, seven. Right, right, yeah. Fair. I'm 30 now, so... All that, I mean, like I just said it, but like it requires organisation, but it also requires, like, you know, that stubbornness, like I said, that sort of hard-headedness. Yeah, absolutely. Did, that, did you, like, think a lot about that or did you just run in with it? No, nah, to be honest, man, it, it came as, like, a kind of, like, knee-jerk thing, you know? It's like, you, you do this because you love it. You mm. love it because you do it. You know, it's like a kind of, like... And it, that applies to doing those squats as well. I mean, I never was involved in, like, you know... Um, I helped like raise money for squats, but I was never involved in like the maintenance or something. But you got to think, man. Like you got some money, and it goes into like repairing the boiler or doing this or something. You know, you got to love it because it's like you're giving up your your cat. People are giving up their cash for it, like, and there's no immediate return apart from that. There's now hot water. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like definitely. I think it's picking up rubbish at the end of the gig on the yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah, like loads of shit like that. Like even just like getting a gig together is a f- in in like a normal context with a venue is a fucking headache. And then. Yeah. Yeah. And then could you imagine if you've got to do it like I don't know, and then you have to like maintain the venue after and like the idiot. It's like God. All respect to all those people, man, because that is a real. That was a real task. Like fair play to all of them, man. Definitely. And like you said, I think it's so important. There's no actual like instant gratification in terms of like, oh, you know, here's a couple of hundred quid and you can pay your rent this month. Yeah, totally. You know what I was saying? I was talking to someone the other day actually about this, and they were like, we're talking about like the. Um, this kind of like what 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 world are we going to step back into after um after covid like i'm talking like in a live music capacity because i think things are going to be like really different but um i was thinking i was saying to them like the important v- venues for me that we really need to like hold on to is like the dive bars the fucking mm-hmm. 50 mm-hmm. capacity 100 capacity for because for in order for you to get up and play in front of 700 people you've had to get up and play in front of 20 yeah. for a couple of years you know what I'm trying to say and that I'm worried about that after COVID because I'm worried that like we're going to come back in and government grants are going to like help certain venues but these ones which were like kind of like under the radar are going to be like fucked and I'm like I'm worried about it. that's that's my concern anyway like Temple of Boom in Leeds I, I know they're like pushing to get money because they're not getting anything off the off the government and like how vital is a place like that to get hardcore and punk bands like do you know what yeah. i mean you know what I'm so vital uh, yeah absolutely like i said i wanted to hear you say because i just like it makes me pretty sad but also makes me think we need to start something like that in london because there hasn't been a 50 100 cap venue i mean like a real like you, you show up and it's like you know sticky carpet type place like do you remember grosvenor was a bit like that you know it was like i never a, went to grosvenor yeah it was like um it was a pub that was like I don't know what cap. I don't Between know. Stockwell and Brixton, isn't it? Yeah, it was in Stockwell Gardens. Yeah, like um, I don't know what the cap was, but I never saw more than thirty people in there. Well, I think Bird's Nest is is great for that. Yeah, um, amazing. I love that place, man. It's got to be in a pub. Yeah, me too, mate. It's my local. We're we're there. You know, yeah. around the corner. I fucking yeah. love it. And that place is such a. They're community hubs. The guy who's the bar manager now was the guy who put on my ska band in Clapham in two thousand and five. Yeah, there's this thing that you know you keep on running into. That must happen to you quite a lot. Running into people. I mean, not this year, but running into people that you've known for 15 years. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. I mean, I'm, I'm think, it's always happening at gigs and I haven't been to a gig in like fucking, it, yeah. feels, like it's, it feels like it's February. When, when you say that, it's like, yeah, man, like when I last ran into that person at a last gig and it's like, that was like a year and a half ago. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? T-Chance is in Tottenham Hale. Do you go to that? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's shut now, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's shut. Yeah, I, but I think like these places are. I think they just require a lot of. They require dedication, basically. Yeah, it's also yeah. like you know, it's like it's like London is moving into this kind of like steel and glass new build world where like it's very difficult for supposed like tea chances to like exist amongst it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because. Mm-hmm. You've got to be, like you said, you know, the hard-headedness. You have to be really hard-headed if you've got property and it's like mm-hmm. a community space and stuff and you're like, look, I'm not going to sell it to put your wallet away. I don't care how much money you've got. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that yeah. Like real love and real dedication to something. Everyone's got their price. Man, yeah. But, yeah, gosh. It's I'd, pretty sad. I mean, you don't want to think about that, but, you know, sort of, you've got to live, like, don't you? Mine's like two Guinnesses in a packet, man. <laughs> not, not anything for anyone. <laughs> So you were a cabbie and then, then you were a lecky or you are a lecky? Yeah, I am now. Yeah, I was working last night actually till fucking about two in the morning. Um, wow, what, doing what? Um, so I do like, I do uh, music videos, adverts. Well, mostly I do adverts, but um, I basically have a spark on film stuff. So what that requires, what that does is um, you basically run power into places and then build the lights cut out certain lights so if say for example the street lights are not what the boss wants you turn them off or whatever you know that kind of shit or um but it's 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 kind of a funny it's kind of a funny industry because it's like you are self-employed um it's heavily unionized um and you so the process would go like someone will call me up and they'll be like oh do you fancy doing uh like last night i was doing a jess glynn music video they were like, right. oh, do you want to do a Jess Glynn music video? I'll be like, sure, it pays me, so yeah. Um, and then uh, and then I'll, you know, show up. I've got my overtime pre-agreed by the union and like I've got my rate pre-agreed by the union and then but So it all goes through the union, sorry. Great, pre- well what they will pay you is already agreed. Okay. So we, we operate under an APA, which is like a um, agreed payment something. And, um, yeah. but the problem with that is the overtime is like, how long's a piece of string kind of situation? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I showed up there at six in the morning with a, with a generator on the back of a truck, laid out all my thing and I could be there until they finished shooting, which could be in this case was two in the morning. Fuck. So I did, I just done two days of like six to two. Fucking six hell. Right. Six AM to two AM. Are you which, a coffee guy? Mate, I, I tell you what, I just got a fucking AeroPress. It's the best. <laughs> is it? Yeah, man. I got a V5 and I'm loving the... Um, What's you know, a V5? The, is, that the, is that the pour over one? It's the pour over one, yeah. Oh, I love, I love the ritual. I love the ritual. Man, it's like fucking meditation. It is. Is AeroPress like that? Because it looks so confusing. It's it, Man, it's like Pavlov's dog making coffee. You know, it's, you know what's coming up. You hear the bell ring, you know, you start salivating, you know what's coming up, especially at fucking one in the morning. Like, you know? I love it. Man. Oh, man. I, got, I got into that when I was doing, I got into coffee big time when I was doing uh, minicab stuff. Because right. I was like, I used to do 7pm to 7am. Yeah, um, that's mental. Seven days a week, man. Dangerous, isn't it? Are you not allowed to do that? I've got an uncle who got, who's bus driver. He got in trouble for doing overtime because you're not supposed to be yeah, at the wheel for that long, right? So say if you've got like a heavy goods vehicle or I think, yeah, it applies to like buses as well. I can't remember what they're called, like CPCs or something. Basically, you have a taco card and you have to work a certain hours and you can't do over that minicab to do what you want. I wasn't a a black cab driver, I was a minicab driver. Was there a bit of a rivalry there? Was there like, and it was there like discussion there? 
Yeah, fucking hell. God, the amount of times I had to get out and be like, yeah. So I, I would like park up behind Harrods or something. Someone's called me in and they, black cows will get out and be like, you're in a black cow thing. And I'd be like, I don't fucking care. I'm waiting for the brood. You know, it's just all whatever. <laughs> all fucking handbags, though, man. It's nothing real. How did you get into that then? Because you is it just a black cab thing where you have to know it like the back of yeah. your head? The black cab is a knowledge and um what I had was a PCO license, which is a public carriage fish or some shit, I don't know. And um mm. they uh basically like we were saying before, man, it's like when you're like into this music, you're like you're into it to the point where your jobs fit around what you want to do. So for me, minicab, the positive thing about that was like, I could, if I wanted to take time off, you know, if I wanted to yeah. go on tour for like two weeks, three weeks, two months, I could just like have my radio back in, do the tour, come back out. I've got a job waiting for me there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Makes me think it's that there are quite a lot of jobs where you can swerve not having a boss where, cause I think this is another thing. And I, and I think this has come out quite a lot in interviews for this show is that like, I'm guilty of it. When I've had a job, I like, I become somewhat dedicated to my boss. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because that is what's required of you in that yeah. job. And it's a real like kind of sociological mind fuck sometimes. This is like people are talking to me about like union dues, like the meaning behind a lot of stuff and like a meaning behind like um, a lot of the songs like can't tell me nothing and everything. It's like, don't, don't let people convince you that you working for them is benefiting you. Get your money, build yourself, build your community, help people around you, but don't let some guy who's taking 30% of your, all your labor tell you it's a good idea for you to fucking come in and do unpaid this or put in the extra hour here or do, do you know what I mean? It's like, this is Definitely. this job is for you and don't forget that. You know what I mean? We're taught in school to just do what other people say. It's like go the extra mile for someone that isn't going to go the extra mile for you. Like, you know, when's the next time like the government are going to be like, look, it's really been a really good year. Here's enough. Here's a 200 quid or something. It's never going to fucking happen. So don't, don't, try and give them the extra sh- you know what i'm trying to say yeah absolutely and it and it makes me think not trying to sound high and mighty like quite the opposite i wonder for people who do- haven't found something like you know a community like you or i have if they don't necessarily have something they really believe in you can see how you can get trapped yeah totally i mean it's like i think the human brain feels comfort in being told what to do because it doesn't have to think for itself I think that's a really scary thing like having to like you know and a a lot of people I think fall into the trap of like routine and like you know uh how can I put it you know you know what I'm trying to say and it's like totally I think there's a comfort in it there's comfort in routine because I think like it is nice like I I think there is as much as I like again hate to say it I think there's a part of our brains that likes to be lazy as fuck yeah, totally, man. I think like that kind of plays into the whole like religion thing as well. It's like, you know, people like to have like, they're like, oh, you know, it's all thought out for me. Thank you. You know, like have the blueprint. Mm. Like, if you show up somewhere and you're like, right, you've got to do this, work it out yourself. You're just like very scared. You're like, oh, what? Uh, shit. Uh, but if it's like, this is, you know, it's already mapped out for you, mate. Don't worry. It's like, you can kind yeah. of fall into that kind of like groove and just be like, nice. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I think people don't like making mistakes either. I mean, I've made so yeah, many mistakes totally. in my life. But I feel like I've learned from all of them and that's made me what, you know, the person I want to be today and moving forward as well. Again, you know. Yeah. You've got to fucking, you, you've got to just go head first through it, man.
any standout moments from those years of, of being a cabbie? Um, people choose to try and fucking rob me all the time and shit. Um, people getting in the cab and stuff, you know. But you can, you listen, man. Like you can, you can tell with someone's like, I don't believe in like people's energy or something like shit like that. But you can feel when something's not. Uh, the one of the yeah. one of the sca- one of the scarier ones was um, it was Halloween, which for minicab for me personally is fucking awful because like you can wear masks. Everyone can wear masks and like you know yeah, what I mean? like, yeah yeah like, really like not not great anyway I'm um I pulled up to some place and the thing with minicab is you have to pre-book it like the difference in a minicab and a black cab is that black cabs um you can hail them down you mm-hmm. know with, with yeah. minicab there's some kind of like law where it's like you know 15 minute gap between the call and the arrival whatever. So um, pull up, drop these people off. They were nice. All of a sudden, these like four lads like get in the back of the car, all wearing clown masks. Um, this is when I was doing mini cabin in South. Um, I was in Campbell at the time, and um, and um, they were like they were like drive us to here, and and I was like listen boys, and they were just like nah, they're like nah, drive us to here. Like and I was like oh, I'm getting robbed here. So fuck. And so anyway, I drove them down to this place and then they just paid me like 250 quid in cash for like a fucking 15 minute drive and they were these like duffel bags and shit and it was like what? yeah yeah That's it was amazing. Crazy. yeah people always ask me stories about minicab stuff and it's like man like the answer is like how much do you want to know because like when i was doing it minicab was t- 2012 so London was still kind of like a bit of a bit rough around the edges at that point, in my opinion. And um, there was a lot of fucking wild shit going on. Like there was a lot of like, a lot of like people transporting like drugs or I saw a lot of guns and a lot of people like people, people used to call minicabs because they were scared to get in ambulances and stuff. So like, so if someone got stabbed, they would like get me to, drive them to the hospital, which I always thought was, like, really weird because they didn't want to get... You took someone who'd been hurt like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, things like that. It's, like, weird, weird shit like that. I don't know, man. It was a weird time, especially in my life. I was just, you get a bit numb to it, though, as well. You're, like, you're just, like, yeah, this is where we are. <laughs> Did that, like... I mean, obviously, that's, gonna, that's got to harden you up, doesn't it? Were you, were you, like, pretty, like, hardened up before that, do you reckon, looking back? Uh, yeah, I was pretty, like... I was. I mean, I've chilled out a lot since when I was younger, but when I was younger, I was like, you know, you can nothing, nothing was, nothing could phase me really, but a bit more sensitive now. But on the new record, I've wrote, I wrote, I wrote two songs about the mini cat thing because I was like, talking to them, I was like, man, I don't know what to write tunes about. And they were like, bro, like, use a mini cab driver in London, like, just write, <laughs> write something about that. And I was like, yeah, maybe I will. So I've written one song about like the positive side of it. Like, guys, you know, because it's, it, it is beautiful, London at night. You know, there's no one there. It really no is, yeah. There. It's like romantic, and you're like on the river having a coffee, and you know, and like <laughs> you know, it's like really nice. And then, and then there's kind of like that juxtaposition with like, oh, fuck no, it's like you know, someone fucking with a shotgun in, and they're like in a duffel bag, and they're like trying to, you know, things like that. It's like, yeah, yeah. I think a couple of times walking through, like, where was it, Haggerston or Dalston? I was like, I was walking through. I just got, I saw, I like, I walked past, and it was a doorway, so it was, it was a flash, you know. And I was, in this flash, I just saw this geezer getting kicked in. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what do I do? Do I go back and 
And I'm like, you know, I was 20 years old. I was like, I don't know what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in a situation like that, he might have called the minicab because he didn't want to get into an ambulance. Because if you get into an ambulance, it's like, you know, you've got to give a police statement or yeah, something. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the logic behind it was, but quite often I would like pick someone like that up after they've had that happen to them. And then it's like, then you've got to kind of like deal with that situation. But, you know, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. Yeah, for real. What, what made you stop being a cabbie? Man, the, the money just weren't there for what was happening, you know, like the, like got to pay petrol, got to pay for, I was, I was like renting a car, what you rent, right. you rent a slot on a, so you rent a slot on a radio. So you get given a radio and you're on like a call in. So, you know, say there's 10, 10 guys, you, you're third in line. And then the first guy gets the job. Second guy gets the next job. Third guy gets, you know, it's like that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's just like for what it's worth. You know, you work. I was doing seven pm to seven am every day. Look, it's not it's just fucked. Yeah, it's just like your brain just doesn't want that. So you had to train to be an electrician. Yeah, so that. I I saved up a bunch of money and like trained to be an electrician, and then kind of like um, went and worked at this warehouse called uh, Panelux, which is like in Halston. Um, that's a brutal job because it's like basically you maintain all the gear. It's all heavy gear, so. It's like you know a lot of heavy lifting. There's um there's a type of cable which we have called point two, which is probably about forty kilograms or something. And I I was in that department, so I was just like wrapping these forty kilogram cables like over and over again. I was like prepping all stuff wow. like Game of Thrones and stuff and all that kind of shit. So I was like putting them all on the back of a truck. You know, you got put on like two hundred point two cables on the back of a truck. It's like fucking physically very demanding. And then I did yeah. like two or three years there, and then I did two years there. And then I went out on what we call going out on the road, which is like going out onto actual film sets and stuff. Um, Did you have enough time around that period of of years to to go to all the shows you wanted to? Uh, no, but I I tried to get it in. I mean, the thing is, man, it's like when you like, as you know, like when you're it, when you get bitten with the bug of music, you fucking everything else goes around it. You know, you're like, oh, I'm gonna go to this show, even if it means. I'm gonna be fucking exhausted the next day. It's like it doesn't even it doesn't even really compute in your head. Do you know what I mean? As you yeah like, yeah you're, yeah you're all too familiar with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I always think it's like being hungry. It's like yeah. I gotta fucking eat. I gotta do yeah, it. Yeah. I can't not. You don't ever think like mm, should I eat or should I not? You're like I haven't eaten for two days. I've got to eat now. But it's like, it's like yeah. shit, man. You're just like no, nah, I've got to go. I've got to go to shit regardless of if it's in the woods or not. Yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And Ruxion was slowing down around that time, right? Yeah, so Ruxion was really big for me when I was um, in my mid-teens. You know, this, those mm. 12 bar was like a real cultural hub for, um, for like, kind of, I was going to say hardcore, but it's, like, slightly bigger than that. I think it, like, expanded out into, like, generally underground music. You know, like, it's well, kind of... I think of a lot of indie bands played there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, like a kind of, like, like Ruxin was like very big for getting me on like DIY stuff, but also they they like kind of they weren't afraid to mix with other subgenres. You know, it's very open. It's very open minded. You know what I mean? It's funny that you're doing this that you uh, this podcast because like I was saying to someone yesterday, I was like, oh man, like the fucking like the the, the stories of all these jobs that I've had. I like I used to be um, I used to fucking hold a sign in the street for a punk shop in Camden. Well, um, all ages. Yeah, um, no, uh, it's called Oyo the Shop. Outside fucking Cyberdog, I had to listen to fucking Cyberdog music. Like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, that's yeah. enough to drive anyone crazy. 
mate, I tell you what, I had a fucking, I used to get migraines all the time and shit from it. Eat a lot of Chinese yeah. food though. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I once got shook down. I was going to the Electric Ballroom to go see that band Thursday, who I loved oh, yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah. I, st- I still think that first album's amazing, actually. And um, fucking got shook down by someone for like a quid 50 that my mum gave me. He was wearing yeah. an Operation Ivy cap. And I was like, Weird. you fucking prick. <laughs> Weird. But I, I think for me, I realized quite around that time as well, I went to a, like one of those Fins, Finsbury Park shows that one of the sound systems in a terrestrials was playing. It was that sort of thing. And yeah. someone like sort of not really, you know, just was giving me shit for wearing a NoFX t-shirt or a patch or something. And then he turned around and he, and he was wearing a NoFX patch on his jacket. I think I realized quite early on that there were quite a lot of pricks in punk. Yeah, yeah, you know, like people, it's, it's people like to throw their weight around, don't they? Did you find your tribe quite quickly, do you reckon? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I fucking like, um, so Nick Sarnella, who um, I play in this band called The Chisel, and he plays in that as well. I met him very early on, um, this this guy, Tin Savage, who does art, I met him like super early on, um, and like, um, you know that band Higher Power, Jimmy Wizard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy's a good friend. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I met him when we were like, I mean, we were like children, you know. So and like, we had this like little close knit crew of of guys and and go. Oh, Kai Stone, she does. Um, she plays in a bunch of stuff. She's done. She's been around forever doing loads of stuff. She plays in like self defense family and stuff like that. Um, yeah. She she was there. We were all, we were all just like this like little tight knit crew, which was like it's, it's nice to have that. You know what I mean? I always thought how far it was funny how far well because me and Jimmy are but I I was born in Aylesbury and I oh, yeah. moved to like near Watford but we'd go to the same shows growing up and I always used to think like how did you get here I was like because there's no buses to where we are right now I was God, like him I, and his mates would always make it I I fucking have an early memory of um there was a show in uh, High Wycombe at the White Horse I think maybe yeah White Horse yeah strip club um, upstairs. Yeah, yeah, nice one. <laughs> and then no, um, no, I'm not saying that in a good way. I mean, it was no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, fucking nice one for remembering. Like, yeah. and then um, and then um, uh, I remember like bunking a train up and like and um, getting fucking uh, getting grabbed by the BTP. But actually, what happened was the fucking ticket inspector was like, oh, well, you you got a ticket, whatever, and I was like. Oh, no, fuck off, kind of thing. I didn't realize that the BTP were there, and they fucking just like weighed me in in front of everyone. And I was like, showed up to the, took took the fine, like took the money that I had on me, off me, and I had to try and get into this fucking show, like, with, like with nothing. I've probably like, please let me in, please. I've come all the way from fucking all the way from West London, please. <laughs> but yeah. Did you have any tough times during bands, like on tour? Did you ever get stranded, or did anything break down where you were just like, "Fucking hell, this is this is like really hard." Yeah, a few times. Like we um we had a we had a bit of problems with like fascists in Eastern Europe when because I me and Jimmy played in a band called Abolition together. Yeah. Oh, you were in Abolition. Yeah, yeah, and then and, and uh, I was a fucking drummer, man. Go figure. Like that's that's how that's how slim we were on drummers, man. Like I I, I had to drum, so um. Uh, yeah, we we had a, we had a few hairy moments with like fascists in Eastern Europe and stuff, but you know wow. we 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 well, came out on top, so we were right. <laughs> I, I was in a sort of um, a sort of Lemonheads punk rock style band, and we I think the furthest east we went was 
Prague or Italy or somewhere like that. But we never, yeah. we never came up to something like that. Whereas a lot of friends I have will, have actually kind of experienced that fascist thing. Yeah. So the, probably the probably one of the weirdest weirder gigs I've ever played was I was in. Um, we played somewhere in Hungary, and um, this is with Abolition. Um, and uh, we kind of showed up to this place, and there was all these like really weird dudes. You thing is about like fascists is like they dress like shit, and you can see them a fucking mile off. Do you know what I mean? You can really like you just think, God, who is this clown? Anyway, so like there was all these like funny looking fuckers at this gig, um, and I went up to the guy who like owns the venue, and I was like, Listen, bro, like just so you know, like I'm not down with any of that kind of shit. Like we we do not fuck with that full stop kind of thing and he was like no no it's fine it's fine it's fine no no, no it's fine they're, they're not going to cause trouble they're just like friends of the venue or something i was like what the fuck is going on here anyway turns out that the crowd was like 50 percent dodgy fuckers because the fucking venue was like linked in with with a football team social club or some something like that i don't I really right. get it um and we kind of like sat around and discussed like look like what what are we going to do we like do we just go to the next town? Do we just fuck this off? And one of the local guys was like, look, listen, man, like this is the kind of situation that we're living in. Like there's 50% of the crowd is like, really wants to see you lot. Um, either like, you're going to like starve us of music basically. If you like go on. And I was like, do you know what? Fuck it. Let's, let's play it. So we hung this big banner up that said, fuck fascism at the back, at the back. Played the, played the set. And these fucking Nazis were fuming, man. They were like fucking, patrolling around like trying to you know cause trouble and that then we yeah. went out then we went out the back to a wall spray painted something very provocative like abolition fucks nazis or something like that and then the <laughs> next and then and like i mean big like we, we fucking and then the next day we were on this website that was like fucking like uh what do you call it when it's like they got pictures of everyone. They're like, these fucking like lefty cunts like did this, boo, boo, boo. And we were just like, the whole rest of the tour were just like shit in it. Because we were just like, damn, we're going to get scalped. I mean, this was like, this was like 2008, seven. So we were all kids, you know. Yeah. But it makes me think, I mean, I watched that Justice document, that Vice documentary. I quite enjoyed it, actually, because I didn't really know much about them before. And it makes me think, you know, mentioned earlier, Sham 69, that a lot of these bands in punk and hardcore, you know, forever, it seems, have had this kind of weirdly, like, close... Fr- I mean, obviously, there's that friction, but they're also, like, they're quite close together sometimes. Yeah, it's crazy. I think I think the thing about punk is it's, like, it's a very, like... It's a very aggressive and it's very dramatic and it's very like it's very like what's the word? It attracts a lot of lost people, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like I think that could be said with extreme politics as well. Like a lot, they wouldn't get anywhere if it wasn't for like extremely lost people looking for something. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. And I think like the thing about this day, like this this day and age or whatever, it's like man, like it is so bleak for kids growing up now. Like there is not a lot of good things on the plate of the world in 2020 and the environment's fucked. Like Mm. Mm. politics is like, God, could you imagine like being asked to vote between like the politicians that we have now? They're like, fuck, they're all useless and shit. Well, we are, we have to do that even now as 30 year olds. It's like, you know, crazy. And it's like, there's like, there's like no horizon on this shit. And like, I think that, a lot of people get so disillusioned that they're 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 willing to like, you know, go to like 
extreme political or whatever. And it's like they, these big right wing organizations have all this money. They're funneling into like media outlets, like I don't know, like the Daily Mail or something. You know, do you know what I mean? Though they have all this money, just massive media machines. Like anyway, people forget that the Daily Mail supported Hitler during the war. You know? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, they fucking um, they fucking uh, well, well, they they got asked to stop printing pro-German, oh sorry, pro-Nazi uh, propaganda. Fucking hell, I did yeah. not know. They, this is what I mean. These lot, like these lot, they benefit from the kind of short news. Like, do you know yeah, what I mean? of course, the headlines, the red tops. Yeah, 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 and they like they anyway, whatever. Traditionally, they were the first. I went. I did journalism at uh, uni and. Like, I didn't know this till I went there that, you know, traditionally they're called the red tops because they were the first ones with color. Do you know what I mean? Obviously eye catching oh, whatever. Yeah. They're the first ones with like crosswords and puzzles and, you know, put steroids on that. That becomes fucking clickbait or whatever you want to yeah, call it. Absolutely, man. Fucking hell. Well, they, that's pretty depressing, got, isn't it? Yeah. They've got a finely tuned machine, mate, but whatever. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that is something to shout about. And I think that people forget they can shout about it. Do you know what I mean? I think people sometimes feel a bit lost in not yeah. knowing exactly what to do. I mean, does it feel like, you know, has music always felt like a good outlet for you in that sense? Totally, man. But like, I'm, I'm, this is a cheesy thing to say, but it totally saved me, man. Like I was like very like lost and aggressive, like young kid, And I got into punk music and that was it, you know, and I was, it, mm. it saved me, you know what I mean? Like really, um, so I'm 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 so grateful for it. That's why I, that's I almost feel like I owe it. You know, I owe it to punk music to like give it back and to try and do as much as I can for it. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. When you have the the privilege of having something like this kind of culture, we have around us, like we have to like honor it, don't we? By working yeah, hard, totally. or... it's sacred almost. You know, it's like it really is. Yeah. 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 Well, mate, thank you so much for everything we've talked about. I've loved. I want to. I want to. I want to hang out at some point. Yeah, let's get a pint when this is all done. Sorry, it got too bleak at the end, man. No, no, I think it's important because uh, it is bleak, but it's also important to talk about. Just because we talk about something that's bleak doesn't mean we can't also have a laugh afterwards or have a sense of humour around everything well, else. That's, you know what I mean? like, that, that's kind of like, in a nutshell, so being a gang is like, look, the world's fucked. I'm going to say it's fucked, but also let's get fucking hammered and do something fun. Joy as an act of resistance, I think is quite, is a really important thing to think about. Yeah, like we need to like, stop punishing ourselves for having a good time sometimes you know what i mean like i think we we put the burden on our backs a lot and it's like this let's not let's not beat ourselves up about everything let's push for a better and new world and like try and build something special and all that kind of stuff but also like fucking let's do it with a smile on our face you know what i mean yeah absolutely it's it's it's, it's like it's so you know it's obviously fucking marketing and advertising but you know that advert when that person's whistling and then everyone else is whistling after it yeah i was oh, like yeah. i think that's quite a nice analogy yeah 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 it's infectious man good shit's infectious i did listen man in ultimately like I have more faith in people than I than I don't, you know, and I and I yeah. honestly believe in people. Like I said it on the fucking this recent presidential election in America, I was like, I, I was like, look, I bet, I bet all my money that Biden's going to win because I believe in people more. Honestly, people, yeah. we we get painted that weird, like you know, the underdogs are left or the underdogs or whatever. We like honestly, we're not. People are good people deep down. I, I believe that. Um, do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, absolutely. And when you put it against something like cancel culture. No, like sometimes good people do bad things. Sometimes bad people do good things like the fucking Sopranos. Do you know what I mean? Like I was watching that and I was like, I was like, man, like this is a, this is a good sociological, like, sociological lesson. Or psychological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes people do like, I like Tony Soprano, but he's shot a lot of motherfuckers. <laughs> you know That's I mean? it. Yeah, yeah, Godfather, well, man, like, you re- kind of respect for being such a family man, but at what cost? I don't know. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. What's going on with the second album, then? You mentioned earlier you, re- you started writing a few tunes for it. Finished mixing yesterday. You're joking? No, it's all done, man. 15 tracks, finished mixing yesterday. Dan Carey's mixing it. That must be wicked to be working with Dan Carey, because he does, like, everything from K Tempest to, like, Squid to Fontaine's DC. All of those records yeah. are fucking wicked. Have a look at his CV. It's fucking mental. He's like done Lily Allen, Kylie Minogue to fucking Squid to Fontaine's. You know, it's like the dude's like, yeah, he's he knows, put it like this, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Do you know I love I mean? that on his website, he's like, if we're on a roll, no one's taking a lunch break. Yeah, for real, for real. He's <laughs> he killed it, man. He's honestly killed it. I just got the mixes back yesterday. The final mix is all done. It's crazy. Like the guy, Amazing. the guy's wicked. Amazing. And there, there's a release date on that. There's there's shit like sort of blueprinted out. Is there? Uh, not really. I don't know what I don't know what um I don't know what the time frame for it releases. Um, but we we kind of just like getting art together and doing all all the kind of like other bits. But it's uh it's there, man. It's uh it's better than Speed Kills, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's like it's like uh it kind of grown into like a big big thing. Awesome. Piano, piano on it. Hand caps, fucking oozenars, everything. Amazing. Mate, that's so exciting. I'm, I'm buzzing. Yeah, Wicked. Sweet. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for being up for this, man. Sweet, man. Cheers, bro. So that was Charlie from Chubby and the Gang. If you dig this episode, if you like the premise of the podcast, go and let your mates know. Cheers. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. If you want to get in contact with me, you've got, to, you've got to fucking call me, bro. I'm not. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck that. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 
Hey, batter, batter. Are you ready to hit a home run with flavor? Step up to the plate and swing by Penn Station East Coast Subs, where every bite is a grand slam. Craving a classic Philly cheesesteak or maybe a savory chicken teriyaki? Or how about loading up on their delicious fresh-cut fries? Call it a triple play by ordering Penn Station's signature fresh-squeezed lemonade. When it comes to subs, Penn Station is the big league. Order online at Penn-Station.com or stop at a store near you. Penn Station East Coast Subs.